0: the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This.
1: This. This is
0: AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
1: AV Week is produced and distributed through a partnership with AV Nation and Rave Publications. For more information, go to ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode forty-four, recorded Friday, June first, two thousand twelve. Pleasantly acerbic. Ready. A V A V week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is A V week. It's time for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news, and information. I'm your host, Tim Albright. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this week, we continue our highlight of monthly shows. And by doing so, uh, we hope that you'll join us at, at Infocom 2012, which is uh, just about a week and a half from this recording. This week, we are highlighting uh, one of the shows about uh, that's going to be highlighted actually at Infocom, and that's live staging. Uh, that's the live life. Uh, These three gentlemen um, are all on it, as well as George Tucker, who will be joining us shortly. Uh, First up is Mike Postapuck, uh, owner of Prospective Staging in Washington, D.C. Welcome, sir. Hello. Uh, Next up is Justin Lang. Justin is the editor of PLSN Magazine. How are you, sir?
2: Good. Thanks for having
1: me back. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, and last and certainly not least, uh, I say not because he has the same name as my son, which I think is awfully cool. His name is Christian Samuelson uh, and the owner of Crosspoint Audiovisual in Charlestown, West Virginia.
3: Please be joining you this afternoon,
0: gentlemen.
1: Um, I'm going to do the, the elevator pitch, unless, unless, Mike, you'd like to do so, uh, for Live Life. Um, it's basically, um, it, it was the brainchild of George Tucker, our illustrious, you know, bald friend from uh, from Long Island, no, well, actually Yonkers, New York, and George, that's that's the world that George lives in. You know, George works for World Stage, which you know, not to be simplistic, it's in the name, right? Uh, so you guys talk about you know everything from you know RF to. Um, projector mapping to all sorts of other things and you do it on a monthly basis you get together with all sorts of things i think even the first month you guys did this you talked to someone from was it norway or sweden
0: i believe it was norway Norway,
1: yeah so yeah it's it's international it's a (laughs)
0: Yes, it is very much so.
1: So uh, it's 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 posted monthly, usually about the middle of the month. Um, we don't have a real good uh, schedule yet down for any of our monthlies, but but generally we 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 have them somewhere within the four weeks. Uh, that the monthlies um, begin. So if you are into the world of of live staging uh, or live sound, live lighting, whatever it is, uh, check out the Live Life if you would. And and you can listen to these gentlemen here. And like I said, also also our buddy George Tucker, who will join us here in a second. And you guys will be also uh, recording a live one at Infocom. And I believe that is Wednesday, uh, the wednesday of of infocom uh, which is the thirteenth if i'm not mistaken about three o'clock in the afternoon uh so come by the booth the the booth again where we'll be is we will be ensconced in the rave pubs uh booth right next to uh, infocom's the infocom store so if you can find the infocom store, you can find us come by and and see these guys and and check them out and and see them do their magic so uh, this month, this week on AV Week, we're going to be talking about Tech, uh Google Cloud, and Step, the uh, the um, Green Initiative that Infocom introduced last year. But first, we're going to talk about Amazon, which sounds kind of odd, and also the Xbox, which also sounds kind of odd, but it's it's important enough. At least it's important in the residential sense, but I think it's also important for education and boardrooms. And the announcement this week is the fact that you can now get Amazon Instant Videos on the xbox now this is nothing new for guys who have had other uh streaming devices uh stuff like the roku and and certain western digitals and and other devices like that uh but this is this is another evolution for xbox xbox has netflix xbox has uh the uh, major league baseball and now they have another streaming service so Little by little, Xbox is is evolving from just a thing that plays games to a thing that does everything. And oh yeah, it also plays games. Mike, is this something where you can see, as silly as it sounds, uh, an Xbox being installed in, let's say, you know, uh, I'm in St. Louis, so Enterprise uh, Rental Cars are, is a huge corporation here. So you can, can you see that being put into the boardroom of Enterprise?
0: Can I see that being put into the boardroom of Enterprise? Or just boardrooms in general. (laughs) You know, I I don't know. I really... I don't see it. I don't know. Um, You know, most... uh, corporate presentations and things like that are either going to be done through, you know, either embedded videos or, you know, or, or something like that. I don't see where they need to go ahead and pull something off an Amazon or a Netflix or, or something like that. I, I, I can't see it, at least at this point.
1: Christian is, 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 am I, am I stretching here? <laughs> or is this just kind of cool to me because it's cool in my house, but not necessarily in the education environment? or in the, in the pro environment?
3: It is, it is very cool. I mean, it's a great thing to have in a residential environment. In, in my years of installing boardrooms and, and doing corporate meetings, um, we haven't used an Xbox or something similar as a content delivery device. For, for most of my clients, the content that they need via cable television usually includes uh, MSNBC, CNN, the Weather Channel. Those are the things that they need to look at um, they're not typically sitting around downloading um, the Monty Python's Holy Grail. <laughs> Why um, not? It's it's <laughs> it would be a great way to spend an afternoon, but communicate. You got to come is- to my boardroom then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, let me ask you guys. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Let me ask you guys. Then this is, I I see, maybe not Xbox, and and I mentioned it because it's it's the news of the week, but our. our are boardrooms and, and pro installations, are they ever going to see a day when streaming is uh, one of the content uh, delivery devices, or is that just never going to happen?
3: Content delivery devices, um, I mean, I, I've installed a lot of Apple TVs, um, and they'll just change forms. Uh, the the content is being pushed from the cloud and whatever delivery device gets it onto a display device um is it's up to the the consumer's choice or the client's choice the boardroom's choice of how they want to get it there and and what content is most appropriate for their situation
1: okay so is it okay so what delivery device i guess it is the most prevalent. I mean, if, if we are doing streaming, what's the most prevalent? Is it the Apple TV because of the small form factor and the ubiquitousness of, of all the different things that they have on it?
3: Uh, I've done mostly Apple TV just because um, of the reliability uh, of the device. Um, but that's that's not to say that tomorrow or next week somebody's going to invent the latest, greatest yeah. net Top set top content delivery device that's going to blow everybody
0: away.
1: Justin, is this what are they streaming
0: through this, uh, Christian? What are they streaming through the uh, the Apple devices? It was
3: I mean, primarily just an. It was an alternative to having cable TV. It was access to the web for content delivery. Uh, so it was like delivery. the
0: booths and things like that.
3: Right, um, things
2: like.
0: That.
3: Yeah, typically through an installation, I, I I put it in, I test it, and uh, what they do with it after there, I, I'm usually not sure of. But.
1: <laughs> well, no, I mean, because here's the thing: the Apple TV. So it, it, probably. I, I'm not the biggest Apple fanboy in the world, but it, Apple TV does at least have AirPlay, right? I mean, AirPlay is is the ability to take you walk in with your. Uh, with your iPad or your iPod, and, and here soon with with your with your Apple OS computer, whether that's a, a desktop or a laptop, and shoot whatever you have on it in theory. And there are limitations to that up on a boardroom display. So is that kind of what you're, what they're thinking, Christian?
3: That is. Um, these conference rooms that I installed recently, there was six of them. were um, similar in, in form and function, but had different capabilities. Each. One was controlled by a wireless, was controlled by an iPad essentially running a Crestron application to control the, uh, the uh, AV Pro 2s um, or the uh, contract, uh, Crestron DM switches, and all of the, uh, the uh, conference rooms could be logged into via one of these Apple iPads. So they were able to push content via the iPad as both a remote control device and as a content delivery device.
1: Justin, you you do a lot with 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 guys who do you know live staging and live events. Is there a place for streaming right. devices uh, in the live environment? My sense yeah, would say not, no. Not at
2: all. There, there isn't. But going back to the Xbox, I actually used it this weekend um, for family videos. Uh, we shot a bunch of family interviews and stuff like that, and we wanted to share them. Well, I run Apple, and for the longest time, I couldn't figure out how to make a DVD, so I put them all up on Vimo. Vimo I don't even know how to pronounce that. But I put, put them it up on Vimeo. Vimo. Vimeo, there it is. Yeah. Vimeo as a backup of sorts. And getting there, the DVD didn't, of course, play in that particular DVD device. And, oh, why don't you try it on the Xbox? Every social video, whatever, website is available on Xbox except Vimeo. So it wasn't uh, a solution, but they had a smart TV. Smart TVs, I think, are another option. Instead of using an Apple TV or an Xbox, Uh, I have a Samsung whatever, whatever. It's a nice TV. All it needs is a Wi-Fi connection, and I can access the Netflix, the YouTube, Flickr, Vimeo, all that stuff directly through the TV. And I don't have to do that Xbox Live sign-on or anything like that. I just need my sign-ons for the different services, which with this cool little remote looks like a phone, has a quirky keyboard, and can easily get onto those things. But going back to entertainment, no, there's no way we can trust, you know, uh, uh, in live event, we can't trust a streaming service to hold this stuff. Besides, most of this stuff lives on a server that's on the road anyways, on a yeah. media server, if, or it's iMag or something like that.
1: So they're doing their own version of streaming, really, because they're streaming it from from the, the hard drives.
2: Correct, yeah. They, they have all that stuff localized.
1: Very cool. All right, uh, next story is we're going to talk about LEDs, and this comes to us from Ray Publications. LED backlit TVs to dominate 2012 is the story. And uh, basically they're saying that, that LEDs, the that, that backlit LEDs, uh, they're they're gaining market share. And in the last couple of years, they're saying that they reached more than 50% share in, in the fourth quarter of last year and the first quarter of this year. My only thing with this is the fact that you put the word LED onto a display, you're going to confuse mom and pop who go to Best Buy. And I understand that technically is what it is. It's backlit LED. But I I, I take my father in law, who you know, know, he's he's a very nice gentleman. He's in his sixties. Um and he knows enough about technology to be dangerous. And he comes home and he says, I bought a new LED TV, and you cannot convince this man that he doesn't own an LED TV. So, (laughs) Christian, is there a solution here? Can we stop calling backlit LED TVs LED TVs? And if we can, what do we call Uh, them instead? That
3: that is a tough question because it really does confuse the concern. Yeah, it does. They, They don't they don't understand the difference between backlit LED and backlit via fluorescent tubes. That's that's the essence of the argument,
1: right? But they're but they're still LCD TVs, right? It's still, still an LCD.
3: LCD TVs, but the the backlighting is being delivered by a different method via LED. You know, there's several advantages to that. That's where the market is going, and traditional LCDs are being phased out as we speak. Um, there's many reasons for that: cost. Um, Brightness, power consumption, just to
1: name a few. I think Christian has left us. So, (laughs) Mike, we'll start with you then. Hello, Um, Christian. Uh, Christian. Is he
2: back?
1: Nope. Mike, uh, what about what do you say? Can we stop? Can we stop calling these suckers uh, LEDs?
0: Well. Yeah, you know, um I'm wondering how much does the consumer really care? You know, I mean, um <sighs> to be honest with you, you know, you go ahead and you get people like George who like their weighted knobs. Yes. Then that's a different thing, you know, they they really get into into all of that, but your average consumer, the people that they're trying to reach the millions of of general public, they're more looking at price and you know, the quality of things are so good nowadays that, you know, you get a little bit better and a little bit better. But is it worth the price to them? I don't know. And so, you know, I you know I don't know how important it actually is to, to the general public.
1: Justin, is it important to you? Is it important to guys that you deal with that, you know, they have legitimate LED screens every night that they deal with? And then they walk into Best Buy to buy one from their house and you've got, you know, the, the uniform sales clerk who's 16 years old and, and still fighting acne telling them that what they're looking at is an LED.
2: It's like Mike said, it's all based on consumer awareness. Um, I just recently bought that TV that I mentioned earlier. Uh, my wife flipped the brick when she heard how much I paid for it. It's because I didn't buy the cheapest one out there. It's because I wanted the, you know, higher uh, megahertz because that really matters you to me when you to
0: the
2: Yeah, well, it's important to me. I wanted a good picture. And, no, I hear you. No. You know, the everybody sees these $500 uh, TVs. Oh, they're LED, but do they look beyond that? No, they just want a cheap, you know, the buzzword LED uh, device or TV. And they don't really understand why the page on the other side did TVs cost two thousand, three thousand dollars when they look almost exactly alike. So it's it's all about consumers understanding why they're paying so much for a good product.
1: And and that makes sense. And some of that unfortunately is go ahead.
0: And I just was going to say, and that's good for the people that, that really can appreciate that, um, you know, but, but the general public, I don't know if they can, you know, or, or if they even care to, you know. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: No, that's right. I, I was going to say that that's, that's probably, unfortunately, the job of the manufacturer to explain the difference. I don't know that they have the time nor the energy uh, to do that's so. That's
2: the 16 year old acne problem. Well, yeah, Remember? you know.
1: I mean, that's the thing and is, you know, oh, just the price. <laughs> it's the price and it says LCDs or LED. So it's an LED, you know, it's the greatest. It's it's the latest. So it the be good. Yes, it, it is the latest I, technology.
2: I, 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 it, it's all it's all driven by, you know, what's on sale this week. That's what they're going to really push.
1: Yeah, that's, that's unfortunate, though. So uh, about a year ago. Uh, Infocom led, uh, led uh, kind of a couple different consortiums together, and came up with Step S T E P, and it was their version and, and their answer, I guess, to lead. And if you don't know what lead is, lead is the um, uh, organization that gives uh, architects and, and, and construction um, people, you know, general contractors. Uh, Credits, lead credits, and and you can call a building lead, and there are several different levels. There's platinum, there's bronze, there's silver, and that just means that it is economically friendly or economically viable, or it's green, quote-unquote, to to use a a shortcut. Well, step is the AV version of that, and that's just to kind of recognize the fact that there are several steps – no pun intended – uh, that people can take integrators can take I really didn't mean to do that uh, the integrators can take to make a building more eco-friendly. This week, the infocom group took step to Capitol Hill and actually a couple people from my uh, my neck of the woods. Uh, one is uh, is Russ Carnahan from uh, St. Louis and another is uh, Judy and I want to say it's her her last name is is Big Ert. Uh, or or Bygert, uh, she's also she's a representative from Illinois, and gave him a presentation and said, "Hey, look, you know, here's why Step should be integrated into the whole lead thing, or, or at least uh, on par with with lead." Um, Mike is is Step will Step uh, get through the process and, and get some national recognition and some governmental recognition. Or is are we just kind of you know barking up the wrong tree here, and we should just do this and, and say you know what, by the way, we're, we're just so you know, we can also save you some money, and we can also be green.
0: Well, I think everyone's going to try and be uh, eco-friendly here, um, and they should. But uh, my question comes down to this about all that. Um, Okay, eco-friendly, yes, uh how much eco-friendly are you with these regulations that you may be putting in somewhere and what are the cost of these regulations to uh to apply them uh and are you really getting a great benefit for all the the things you have to go through to try to be eco-friendly? It would be my question. Um, I'm not from the integration side. I wish Christian was back on. He could probably talk to this a little bit more, but uh, that's just my my basic thought on that. Um...
1: George, are you back with us yet?
4: Indeed I am. Hello, gentlemen. And Christian says he is here. He's talking, but we don't seem to
1: hear you, Christian. (sighs) Hi there. There he is. There he is,
4: the
1: man. Christian, what do you think? Are, are Is this ever going to take hold where nationally guys will say, you know what, this has to have so many step points and so many lead points, or are we just going to have to go kind of go our own way, kind of Maverick style?
3: Um, it's going to be done by the, uh, the design build and the companies and, and the consultants who are going to sort of... Tr- down how that effect is going to take place throughout the industry fundamentally right now everything is is sort of disjointed and disorganized as far as um, the lead certifications and the requirements go for the for the, for the buildings themselves and it's all very confusing um, it's a good initiative to get some industry standard and some guidelines by which uh, designers and consultants can can follow and make sure that they are uh, Meeting the standards
1: that are being proposed. Well, it's not confusing. You get six whole lead points for doing anything AV. <laughs> it's not confusing at all. It just they don't give us any credit. That's the problem. Uh, Georgia here is. I, I mean, I I like lead or I I like step. Let's start with that. I think it's a great it's a great program, and I, I'm not kidding. You don't get very many lead points for for stuff that's AV. So, I mean, how do we get these two guys together? Is this oil and water here? Um, can we coexist, or do we have to do our own thing?
4: I certainly hope they can coexist. I certainly hope that something. Don't comes hope. With because... Give me an answer. Uh, okay, <laughs> the, the, you know, let me put the envelope up to my head, and thank you. A square wheel. Um, so. Yeah. I, again, that's my answer. I hope. I hope. I hope because the lead, for all intents and purposes, the lead is not working. At least not on the residential side. And I, from what I can see of it, very little on the 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 commercial side. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get lots of letters of people uh, lambatching me on uh, Twitter about this. But it, it's it's true. I mean, I know of a number of dealers who said that the return on value to the home that they were putting it into was negligible. And they wanted to be lead gold, and it just didn't happen because it just – they looked at it and went, uh, it's even over 30 years. It's not going to return any value. Now, is the bigger question, it's going to return value to the environment and you just cough the price? Okay. But as written, it's not giving us the return on value that it promised it would over the time frame it it thought would be workable.
1: Well, and some of that is also is where you live. We have a a buddy of ours, uh, Rich Fergosa, who he and I went back and forth about this because he's looking into and seriously considering – um, solar panels at his house, you know, and that's not a small investment. Uh, but according to Rich, it will pay for itself because of the size of his power bill. You know, so some of that, I mean, it, it, also, it does depend on where you live. But I would agree with you, George, that by and large, um, most people will not see, you know, a return on their investment for, for going platinum lead. Um Justin, I, I forgive my ignorance here because I don't do a lot with 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 at least the the big world of, of live staging. Uh, is there anything or anything that anybody has to worry about, or is there even a program where live event guys are even worried about being, let's say, an equivalent to lead or an equivalent to step?
2: Uh, there is no way. Um, there 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 there's no standard. There's no measurement. Um, there, there's no way in entertainment lighting that we're going to be green or considered green anytime soon. You'll hear a lot of LEDs and stuff like that coming into the market, everybody going LED, but to fully take advantage of green savings, it, it's just not going to happen. We would have to have uh, double the amount of fixtures currently, you know, with what's currently available out there, we'd have to have double the amount of fixtures. So we're talking the same, uh, power consumption, as the technology that's been around for years, uh, the old tungsten stuff. So, not really a uh, um, a leads or step program like you've been talking about in the entertainment lighting world. So you're sa- a, not one that I know of, at least.
1: So you're saying that live guys don't care about I the remember- environment?
2: <laughs> well,
0: well, I remember a company in California. California. No, no. Go
1: ahead. I'm sorry, uh, I'm Mike.
2: Sorry, the,
0: the name. I remember a company out in California that I was reading uh, not long ago that is kind of pushing that idea, at least in their marketing, that yeah. they're trying to do their live events more. I didn't look into it fully at, at what they're doing, but somebody is trying to right. do that uh, out there. Oh
1: yeah. Well, I think. Oh,
2: yeah, the, we all want to be greener.
1: I was gonna say, I think uh, to Justin's the, the, point that that probably is just marketing, right?
2: I'm sorry, say again?
1: I was going to say, to your point, that probably is just marketing. I mean, it's not real practical, or is it?
2: Um, so it's practical. Um It can only get better with uh, the advancements in LED lights out there and LED displays. The power consumption goes down, but there's just no way we're going to get leads platinum anytime soon with any production out there.
4: Especially with
1: those guys lighting pyro all over the place. Yeah, there's that. All right. uh, You're listening to A.V. Go ahead. I was going to say the carbon trading for that would be immense. Oh, geez. (laughs) Giant footprint. Carbon (laughs) footprint. Uh, (laughs) You're listening to A.V. Week, the live live, life version episode. Um, This week we have uh, George Tucker on the illustrious and fabulous. uh, Mike Postapuck. Justin Lang and Christian Samuelson. This week, or in the last couple of weeks, Google has released something. It's called the Google Cloud or Google Drive or G Drive, however you want to say it. But it's got a lot of cool things, and it has the ability to share things back and forth from a browser to an Android device to other applications. And it got me thinking, is there room for either... Uh, displays or other let's just say e- equipment whether that's a switcher or a display or, or some sort of thing w- that has integrated cloudness to it if I can if I can you know uh, create a word here uh, George am I going to be able to buy a projector that, that's able to um, connect to either Google's cloud or have like a built-in Apple TV ishness to it
4: I have no doubt that that's going to happen. Um, in fact, some of, the, some of the lower end or, you know, um, I would call them road warrior or, you know, uh, installers uh, for like corporate boardrooms, as I find my word, sorry, um, do have this ability to send, say, uh, files from your computer to it wirelessly. And some of them have been starting to chatter about doing the streaming thing, being able to hook up to, say, some streaming service. Um, will you ever see that say in the live world? I highly doubt it. Although I have seen since we do a lot at here at world stage, we do a lot of media server image mapping stuff, um, that we get the content via some streaming service. And then we sort of load it onto the drive and, and modify it so that it, it works with the imagery or the, the space we want, sure. but I would never see it becoming something that we would stream it live. At least not until the bandwidth is absolutely hundred percent guaranteed. And then you and I wouldn't be able to afford it. But yeah, uh so yes we use it in certain contexts but for the live guaranteed we need this to work right now I would not trust it.
0: Yeah exactly. Uh in the live events I don't think you at least at this point in time no one who's d- decent at their job is going to trust anything that is not localized. Um you know it's just uh, there's too much risk involved you know especially if you're working in things like ballrooms and you know some of these hotels my goodness, you know, internet connection is like psh,
4: uh, hit or miss.
0: And well, look, it's just um, – go
4: ahead. Yeah, look look how much we still mistrust um, wireless microphones. Mm. Yeah. We yeah. still sit on pins and needles mm-hmm. no matter how much we think we've used them a thousand times in the same space. Going, when is it going to get interrupted? Hopefully not during this really big meeting. Maybe during the wedding, <laughs> but not here. No, please. <laughs> <Like that. laughs> <There> right. <go>. <laughs> right. <laughs> So something that's Um, standard technology. But I tell you,
0: I would love to be able to, you know, have somebody remotely do switching. Somebody can be at home and, you know, go ahead and, you know, and download the presentation, switch to the proper one, you know, have a camera that he can view, you know, what's going on. That would be lovely. You know, you don't have to do travel costs. You wouldn't have to do, you know, all those sort of things. But all that is just too risky at this point it's just to the you technology's not you know there
4: yet plus the net, the net late latency would uh, be enor- enormous depending on where you
1: are mm, yes. yeah C- christian i mean some guys already have stuff like this where you can uh, i know Epson and uh Well Sanyo before they they merged with with Panasonic some of theirs were able to you I mean you you loaded up a piece of software on your computer and you could send them static images uh, is this some kind of like the next generation of that? Only it's in the cloud, uh, obviously. Um, or, or is this uh, beyond that? Is that is this bigger than that?
3: Well, let's. We can see a trend right now that's happening where where everything is kind of moving back to the cloud and um, content being managed offsite. That's that's going to be true for the core corporate world, as we move from, um, you know, localized PCs going back, you know, 30 years to having a terminal and everything stored on a mainframe, it's sort of a similar idea. Uh, um, it will work very well in the corporate environment, but I have to agree with with, with Mike when he says that for live events, it's it's just too iffy to not have that content be local.
1: So that that's kind of the theme of this show. Don't stream it, have it there local, so. <laughs> all right. Well, and and not to to kind of parlay this into the, our next story, but this week uh Tim Cook was at D10, which is a digital conference about all things, you know, electronic. Um and he said that the Apple TV uh is not a hobby to him, which in, in reference to to uh, his predecessor, uh Mr. Jobs, said that that the Apple TV was a hobby to him. Um, oddly enough, in the, in the biography, uh, written by Walter Isaacson, uh, he said that he finally cracked it. So I'm not quite sure what that means, but everything that every technology writer has written about the Apple TV using that same, uh, nomenclature has said that we're going to see an actual, an actual display this year, usually that the, the, the collective, um, Wisdom is that we'll see it in either the third or fourth quarter. Most people say the fourth. But the fact that, that Cook said that is this is an area, quote-unquote, of intense interest for us, Justin, does that mean that we are headed to a world of Apple displays?
2: I'm all about Apple, so <laughs> if that's what's coming, I'll be first in line to buy one.
1: Well, excellent. There you go.
2: Um, <laughs> in the entertainment world, um, I... I don't know if, if people will really clamor out to buy them, since we need something that's pretty large for stages. Um, would I use one? Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, it, there is some Mac stuff that's already out there. I mean, we're using Playback Pro on certain little events, right? I mean, some guys are still using mm-hmm. that as their sort of um, poor man's media server when it doesn't require sort of geometric changes or you know any real severe uh, um, format changes. Um, there are tools from from Apple called Compressor and all those kind of things that let you make changes and do that on a fly and then stream it out. So it is being used in that technology, and that ecosystem from Apple is being slowly used on some of these more design-oriented jobs, more aesthetic-focused jobs, I think, uh, especially because most of the people who are designing the stuff are working on Mac, so they just sort of natural to using it and seeing it there.
1: Very cool is that because uh, is is macintosh and I get this sense and again I, i'm not the world's biggest live guy I get the sense that that Apple is the preferred uh, source of choice for people who do live image mapping and then just live images in, in general is that a uh, true can, statement or not
4: i I can take that on and guys if you have a comment um yes because especially when you work in theater a lot a lot of the theater people are Mac people and Apple did, you know, one of the few right things they did back in the days when they were vacillating back and forth between success and, uh, and ultimate demise was uh, really cater to the creative design types for everything from the Adobe people and Photoshop to the movie editing stuff that they focused on. They, you know, they basically um, told the gamers to go away and really focused on the creative design types uh they're loss but a lot of those tools came from there and are still the sort of de facto things that people want to use and have grown right. with
0: you know i got yeah i don't want to start a apple and pc war here oh uh, today, why not mike put this on the table <laughs> and you know look mac Every. Everybody was using the Mac years ago because the PC was not there yet. The Mac was the only thing that was really stable to play videos and do editing on and and things like that. Today, I really question, you know, I don't know. the, The PC does a decent job nowadays. Now, you know, yes, you can argue, oh, well, you know, the Mac doesn't crash as much and all that, but as far as, you know... Uh, utilizing it, I think it's just more of a legacy thing, if you ask me, that people are using all the Macs. The PC does a pretty good job nowadays, in, in my opinion at least, for for everyday
2: stuff.
1: Very cool. Alright, uh, next up we're going to talk about a company called Nortec, and if you're not familiar with Nortec, you're probably familiar with at least one of their products. Uh, one is uh, Elon, Zantec aton soundcraft geffen tv1 magenta stop me if anybody's ever heard of any of these um but all of you thank you and they've gone through how shall we put this growing pains how about that is that a nice way to put it george growing sure. pains in the last couple of weeks uh, Jeremy Burkhart, who I've never met, and, and I, but I've always, I've always found Jeremy to be one of those people who is kind of bigger than life, and one of these guys that that, that is kind of the embodiment of the excitement of the world of AV. Uh, he was the head of Speakercraft. He is no longer the head of Speakercraft. He has retired. Quote unquote, and that is a reason I put the quote unquote because that was how they put it. Jeremy's a little older than I am, so that's why I'm like, wow, he's retiring at forty something. Wow, good for him. Um, and they've gone through some other changes. Gary Kay, who is from Ray Publications, the guys that that host our our fine shows, wrote a piece, and in the piece, he has given Nortec a piece of advice. Uh, as Gary puts it, you know what? It's a free piece of advice, so you know, uh, take it for what it's worth. Uh, but it's an interesting piece of advice, and, and we'll start at, just kind of go around the horn and ask you guys whether or not Nortech should should take you know should, should take this guy's advice. They, what what Gary is saying is basically this: take all of your brands and consolidate engineering and consolidate marketing. Um, let all of your products play nicely together because currently they don't. Uh, some of their lines are, are, are able to do some certain things. Some of them are not. Um, and just kind of share the brain power for everybody and then take all that, put it under one roof, rebrand it, rename it, and, and come out with something bigger and better. I mean, he, he used the analogy of Cisco, where, you know, Cisco kind of has the, the big brand. They suck up and, and, and absorb very Borg like uh, a brand and also the brand's technology. And makes it, you know, available to, to all the different products. Justin, does this make sense for you for a company, for an AV company, first of all, that is kind of as, as disparate as Nortec is to take everything under one roof, have the engineers share all the brain power across the brands, and then come out with one face saying this is Nortech, whatever, you know, or whatever it is, regardless of whether it's a speaker from SpeakerCraft or it's you know, a, a, a video uh, product from TV1. Does that make sense to you?
2: I, I think it uh, could be beneficial for them. They're able to, rather than compete against each other, pull these engineers together and come out with a better product. I've seen it happen a couple times where uh, two manufacturers come together and come out with a product that, I won't say blew us all away, but would not have... Te- come from that specific company had they not uh, joined forces with another that I uh, won't say specialized in either or, but they're able to co-work together and develop this new product that could potentially change how a lot of people think. So in the in the end, I think it could be beneficial uh, across the company.
1: Christian, Justin makes a good point. Why Why would they... Why would they work against themselves? I guess is the best way to put that. Um, and, and Justin and, and Gary's piece both. Why wouldn't they have everybody kind of kind of playing together all for one, one common goal?
4: Who were you asking that? Christian. Hello? Yeah, he, he popped oh. off for a second. Um, um, George, how about you? I'll take a shot at it. Um, I, there's a couple of reasons why you wouldn't want to, or at least you'd be um, resistant to doing so. That is, um, if you have a number of companies who overlap in some way, but if consolidating and making play nice uh, (laughs) is is something that you want to do, you may actually threaten certain very profitable product lines from those individual companies, which could mean a loss of engineers in that consolidation or loss of salespeople, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and possibly even some markets because of this consolidation. Um, yes, for you and me, would we want it? And does, in the end, it create innovation, like Justin said, and, and creates a better product and an ecosystem, a la Apple? Uh, yes, but I can see that from a from a you know manufacturer side saying, if or uh, when owning several manufacturers, that if we do this, we're going to have a threat to certain business models that have been very successful.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think it's great if you can. Execute on that. Uh, you know what's the biggest problems that you see in mergers and acquisitions is is getting the two cultures together. You know to to, to really work together. You get two really different cultures trying to work together, and it usually produces. Trash a lot of the times because yeah. they just got two different, you know, uh, mindsets going. So if you can really pull that together, yeah, of course, collaboration is great, and and the more uh, ideas you can get flowing and going, but it's really hard to execute.
1: No, that's. Well, that's... I think
2: it's uh, one of the ways they can do that is running the, comfort, the company separate for some time. Uh, there's been a couple of successful stories where these mer- companies merged and. They ran as independent companies while they figured out what that synergy is between the two companies when they finally do say we're, we're all under one umbrella now.
1: No, that's a good point too, is, is the fact that you know they they they, they can they, they have to take the time to figure that out. But but the <laughs> the point is that they've had time to figure that out. I mean good lords they, they bought right. speakercraft, what was it, ten years ago? and there's still yeah. you know there're still aspects of speaker craft that other parts of their their business can't do uh, whether that's you know audio over twisted pair or other things so or they can do they just do it differently um you know cuz they were working on the on the project or on the problem you know separately so although i do have to say that uh,
4: jeremy was one of the more pleasantly observic people that i've uh, ever met he could uh, he could he could smile at you and say the most um uh, amazing things that you think no one would ever say, but still make it fun. Did you just say
1: pleasantly acerbic? Yes. You would be the only person wow. I know that <laughs> that utters those words, pleasantly Where's acerbic. Where's my dictionary? George uses oh, words on. like tertiary and uh, what's your other one? Uh, coquettish. So. Coquettish. Yes. Um, no, but he is. Go
4: ahead. He was, he was very nice. This guy, he would never really hurt anybody to my knowledge. Maybe he has some bodies buried. But he was direct and sometimes very forthright. And he could not care less if he really offended you But still know that you're best buddy in here. Let me buy you a beer.
1: And and you know what? He's always seemed that way to me. Like I said, I never met the guy, uh, but always admired him and and his work ethic. And he has has created some really great products uh, while I was at SpeakerCraft. So I was sad to see him go. But you know what? Here's the thing. Um, He no longer works for them. And maybe he'll take some time off, you know, go – go hunting or fishing or doing a walkabout and come back and, and, and wow us some more in another company. So, uh, yeah,
4: exactly my thought. What's he going to bring next?
1: Yeah. What's he going to Give him some time off, let him, let him chill out. Um, from the world of rave publications, this is the title. And this is, it was, um, the title of the article is this, you need to own the network to own the home. And basically the article goes on to say that by 2015, 25 billion internet-connected devices will exist. And so here's where my crazy little brain went. Um, Whether that's Cedia or NSCA or Infocom or whoever, all of these devices and all of these organizations are trying to get everything from an iPad to a laptop to um, an Android device or what have you these are all AV devices. I know they're computers, and I know that they're they're personal media devices, but they're also AV devices. So, my thought was, okay, this kind of gives us a restart, if you will. Um, Gary K has written before about you know the fact that you know digital signage is getting taken over by IT, and a lot of us have lamented the fact that all this convergence is meaning IT is, is taking over AV. The fact that the home is becoming more and more networked and all of our devices are becoming more and more networked, to me, says that we can take some more, some of that mind share back. We can become the, what the IT network has become, which is ubiquitous. And, you know, everybody knows pretty much how to to do a router and stuff like that. Well, what if we took this idea that, you know what, all this stuff is connected and yeah, it has to eventually get to the get to the internet, but you know what? it's all video and it's all audio uh so we're just gonna g- kind of go around the horn here and and we'll start with you, George. Is there a way that we can kind of reclaim and and, and maybe eh, reclaim sounds a little a, a little um adversarial but but get to the point where a v becomes as ubiquitous as i t because all this stuff is so intricately connected
4: yes and it will happen when the cable companies have full control of the broadband metering and they are the main providers of content well i don't like not that answer the, uh, huh? <laughs> i don't like that answer i i know but i was listening to um on the media which is an npr show about media and uh, broadcast type of stuff you may be familiar with it or not but uh, with the lovely Brooke Gladstone. Oh. Anyway, um, <laughs> they were doing a conversation I have to with Google her a, Go ahead. The, one of the main editors of Digital or Digital Times or something. I'll find it for the link. Um, but she, he got into a room. Uh, a twenty-something, a thirty-something, uh... forty-something, which was Brooke Gladstone, the producer, and a slightly older gentleman, probably maybe in his fifties. And they talked with this guy about where do you get your content from, and it would be. As you would expect. The younger people were like, nah, I don't have a cable box. I don't care about a cable box. I don't want it. I get my stuff from XYZ and yes, sometimes I even rip it, rip it off. And as the age grew, of course, they were more and more into the stable model and how the cable companies viewed each one. It's pretty obvious how they would view them. You know, young guy, you're a threat. We're really worried about you. Really, younger guy, we're not sure where we're ever gonna get you. Well, but here's how we're gonna get you. We own the broadband. The other broadbands are really phone companies. And guess what? We're buying phone companies. So even yeah. if you try to get away from us, we're going to get you. And we're going to tack on the cost of your your, uh, your, your, stealing to that. And that's what will make Ubiquity because then finally the cable companies will say, we feel like we can make a, uh, a profit. We feel like we're not going to turn out like the record companies. Now we can let you to, do all this protocol over the, over the internet or over our networks because we're metering you. And just like electricity, you're going to pay for your usage.
1: Okay that that that's a that's no i like it um i like it I, I i accept it how about that um there are more than one person smarter than me that have has written about the fact that we just like George said there's a good chance that we're gonna start paying um you know how much we used very much like um power consumption so mike is there a way that we can kind of Um, You know, get back into the home and get back into the business and get back into people's minds that says, oh, this is what AV, (laughs) this is what AV means. This is this is the AV business.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, networks are uh, are 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 becoming the 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 everything the the main hub. Of, of basically everything that you're you're going to end up getting, it's a matter of when. I think you know it's obviously not there yet, but um, but yeah, it's um, it's going to be the the, the key to, to to everything that we do in in AV. I think eventually. Uh, what's Christian got to say? He's got to, he he uh, wrote in something here. Christian, are you
3: there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me now?
0: Yes. Uh huh.
3: Okay. Yeah. I mean, where I would weigh in on this is that the convergence of of AV and IT is going to continue. I mean, that's that's a foregone conclusion. And where we're going with this is content delivery and the speed of communication. And the speed of communication is what drives the economy. As the United States economy moves into the the technology business, it's, it's ideas that sell and it's communication that sells. And that's, that's what drives our economy. And what I wanted to, uh, add here is there's something fascinating going on with, with Google and, uh, an X project that they've been working on called Google Glasses. I don't know if, mm-hmm. are any of y'all familiar with the Google Glasses oh, project? Yes. Well, it's, uh, for, for those listening who don't know, it's uh, augmented reality taken to the next step. And for somebody to be able to walk down the street with a pair of glasses on that basically works as a heads-up display, interacts with your phone, and your phone is now uh, an artificial reality or artificial intelligence device that is starting to anticipate your needs, wants, and desires, identify uh, where you are on a map, Locate things that that you're interested in. It's it's speeding that convergence between AV and IT and bring us into a world that is much more accessible and much more user friendly than just using a a keyboard or a mouse or some other input device to get that content delivered to us directly. It's becoming more intuitive. It's becoming more um, more available to the masses now what the price point for this device is is yet to be determined but like like every new emerging technology it's something that'll eventually be hanging at the walmart checkout rock rack for nineteen (laughs) ninety
1: five yeah and that's the thing is 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 as technology it becomes envelops us you know from the time we wake up to the time that we we go we go down all of these things are going to be interconnected, and I, I guess my thought was just, you know, how do we get, how do we get back into the minds of people where, you know, what your 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 stereo and your TV and all this stuff that interacts with it, this is all AV, you know, this is all what we're going out to, to see in a couple of weeks, and it's not, yes, it's it's it uses a network infrastructure, but it's still AV, so good good thoughts um a <clears throat> couple of things real quick guys before we go uh george i i kind of did an elevator pitch uh, before you you got back on the, on the line uh, but why don't you go ahead and give people your your two cents on on how you see and and i probably did a horrible job doing the elevator pitch so i apologize uh <laughs> but uh do do kind of the the pitch for for what live life is And um, also, you know, um, how people can can hear it and and the different and various uh, various shows we've done in the past.
4: Okay, Um, well, yes. And I was missing because uh, in the exciting life of uh, staging and event rentals, uh, we had an issue which needed to be uh, resolved right away on a tour site, which we needed to get a drive out. And of course, nobody knew where the drive was. Eh, Fun stuff, right? Um, Very live. Yes, it's the life we love to live. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but why why the live life? Well, I'm recently back into the live the, the event staging world, and it's an, it's it's something that everybody experiences or is around. Whether they're at a rock concert, a corporate meeting, uh, a show of art, uh, a festival, any of those things involve the men and women who do the sound support, do the lighting, do the uh, re- the recording repl- and, and uh, uh, video presentations, the people who put the screens, the projectors, the calibration systems, all these people are what are involved in the event staging uh, arena. A- and a lot of what sometimes trickles down to the home comes from these guys developing stuff for these large events or sometimes small events. Uh, and it crosses over into installations that are maybe not your standard installations that integrators would be involved, but the bigger, massive stuff, and, um, Sort of like if you know the Hirshhorn Museum down in D.C., we did a project in which they projected completely around this, uh, almost like a cyclorama, around the museum for this uh, for this project called Song One. Those kind of things are what we talk about, and it's not just the technology; it's about where to get the information, how to work with each other, and what we can do to improve the uh, the the knowledge base and the quality of work uh, for everybody, including the big guys and the mom and pop
1: shops. Wow, very
0: cool. And, you know, I got to add, you know, the live life, I think, is is important and doing um, programs and things around uh, live events because you look at the education and and the, um, you know, just the podcast. And the the write ups in our industry and things, they're mainly concentrated around the uh, integration side of things. And the thing is, the live events is very different. And there is a lot of live events, there are thousands of. Them happening every day, everywhere around the world. This is a big part of the economy, also, and there are lots of people doing this, and and it, it's different than than integration, and it, and it it needs something that that is tailored towards towards us that can really speak to us and our, our in our niche.
4: No, that- well, it is true that it's it's one of the few it's one of the few um, industries in George- which you are only as good as the last queue. <laughs> yeah
1: or the last miscue. And so all right, um guys, exactly, couple yes. things real quick. Um this will probably be the last show that people listen to before InfoCom, so there's a couple things I wanted to get uh to get down here. Uh first of all is our schedule as it were. Um if you were interested in coming by the uh the rave pub's booth and um I don't know, throwing things at us or just, you know, uh, point at the silly monkeys trying to make entertainment. Uh, I don't know. March
4: um, the only, please. Yes.
1: Um, throw money and flowers. Um, but no coins, actual bills, because coins hurt. Uh, <laughs> uh, we will be at the Rave Pubs booth, which if you can find the uh, Infocom store, you can find us because we're right next door. Uh, we will be there every single day, actually, including Tuesday, if you get in on Tuesday. Um, Gary, Kay, and I will be doing the Daily Rave It's a daily show that we do It's something we already do But we'll be doing that every day uh, At 11 o'clock in the morning Uh, These are all Vegas times And then on Wednesday uh, George will be doing one of his monthly shows Called AV Social Uh, That will happen at 2 o'clock On Wednesday, the 13th of June Thursday is a busy day. Not only will we also do, doing the daily show there, but also EdTech, which is our education show, will be happening at 1 o'clock. Uh, and then the Live Life, this uh, this representat- this represented show, will be happening at 2 o'clock. Uh, then finally on Friday, the big show, AV Week, will be happening at 2 o'clock until uh, they kick us out of, <laughs> of the booth, probably about 4 <laughs> o'clock. So that's the lineup. Uh, also, a couple other things. One of our old friends, Pat Deely, uh, she has a an international job site. She has some some uh, openings for some people. Uh, I'm going to put a link up on, on the show notes here. And then one of uh, one of my favorite guys that we've had on, and, and George actually did a special with him, John Huntington. He has something called the controlgeek.net, which is John's website. Show control case study. And it's happening during Infocom. It's Thursday evening. Uh, if you have some time, please check it out. Uh, not only are they doing some really cool uh, exhibitions uh, from stuff like the Amsterdam Maritime Museum and some others, uh, he's going to be doing some stuff from the Graves Inn showing that, which Graves Inn is John's uh, haunted house that he has in New York City. But afterwards, he'll be having a uh, drinking and driving, a comp- not competition, but... Uh, there'll be there'll be uh, go karts and then after get the go karts is is when the drinking happens at uh, McMullen's uh, Irish Pub. So I'll put a link up to that uh, as well on the website. So um, and last but not least, just because I'm a big question fanboy, I got a urgent quote unquote email today <laughs> saying that hurry up get your analog cash for trash. It's their digital media thingy and um, yeah, I just thought it was silly the fact that I said urgent. I don't know why it's urgent. George, why is it urgent?
4: I have no idea.
1: You used to work there. Why is it urgent?
4: Somebody wants to sell something? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I just thought it was funny. (laughs) They mm need money.
1: No, in the middle of the show, (laughs) in the middle of the show, I was trying to get to the John Huntington email, and all of a sudden it says, Urgent! Curstron DM! I'm like, oh, good Lord. You know, they found some bug, or it killed somebody. No, no. They're just trying to sell stuff, so... All right. Exactly. Uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, with us has been Mike Postbuck the owner of Perspective Staging in Washington, D.C. Uh, Mike, do you have a Twitter or an email you. or a, 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 a website you'd like people to go to?
0: Yeah, AVMikeP is my uh, Twitter handle and... Um yeah that's uh that's good for now i'm starting to build up uh a lot more of my uh social media things i'm pretty busy with things going on but uh i'm going to try and uh build that up some more
1: excellent uh justin lang the editor of plsn uh magazine plsn.com uh justin do you have a twitter that you'd like to plug
2: sure our uh magazine's twitter account is uh, PLSN magazine. Uh, we also have Facebook.com backslash PLSN online. I can rattle off all of them if you want me to, but I'll save some time for you.
1: All righty then. Uh, also with us is Christian Samuelson. Christian is the owner of Crosspoint Audiovisual in Charlestown, West Virginia. Do you have a, a, a contact information there, Mr. Christian?
3: Oh, content information. Uh, yeah. If uh, anybody out there needs lights designed for a specific live event or uh, audio-visual installation done for uh, corporate boardrooms or other such. I have teams to do that for you. Uh, you can find me at crosspointav.com, spelled with an X.
1: Crosspoint, spelled with an X. All right. And last and certainly not least is George Tucker. George is the uh, producer extraordinaire that I never was when I was in radio. So you can find him... Uh, Tucker's Twos dot oh forget it. What's your website?
4: com I, I almost had Tucker it twos on Gmail and I am uh with worldstage.com. That's worldstage.com.
1: Yay, worldstage. They have a very nice site, by the way. He whoever, is who, worldstage. Who, whoever did that deserves a raise. Just,
4: I'll let mister Weisberg know he was uh, a main uh main motivator of that. I'm just,
1: I'm just saying it's a very nice site so uh, yes, my, thank you very much. My name is Tim Albright if you'd like to follow me it's that's entirely up to you and, and I make no uh, make no guarantees on the quality of my tweets but it is TD Albright Tim and David Albright but more importantly for me and everyone here at the uh, Aviation Nation crew, please go by the website ravepubs.com forward slash a ravepubs.com forward That's all the time we have for AV Week.